0: Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and the Blues have beaten West Coast by 71 points. It was an easy win, but it came at a big cost with more injuries, which kind of threatens to derail Carlton's comeback in the hunt for finals footy in 2023, but there's plenty to talk about. But before we get all into that, I'm thrilled to be joined by a very special guest. He's a fellow panel, panel member of mine on the selection table You've definitely seen him on Blue Broad doing the team show every Thursday, and if you've ever played Supercoach, you know that this man is the king of Supercoach over at Jock Reynolds. It is, of course, the great Lech Dog. Lech Dog mate, thanks for joining me. How are you going?
1: Mate, I'm bloody fantastic. It's always great to start off a, a week with a Carlton win. I let their results dictate my entire <laughs> week, basically, so... Been having a bad week for about 22 years, mate. But no, good at
0: the moment. <laughs> it's so rough. Oh, I'm the exact same. It's and it, it's always that tough bit as well when you go into work on the Monday and you just know that there's going to be a comment. And this season, it's almost been worse than ever during that really bad run where you knew people were almost going to sort of pity you a little bit and be like, "Oh, mate, the Blues," and just going, just don't even talk about it. I, I'm sick of you bringing it up. So it's nice that there's been a turnaround. All things. Carlton um, but let's get stuck straight into this because mate there's been there was a lot of chatter heading into this game many worried about the result due to a lot of the injuries you know you've got Harry, Chera, Martin and then all of a sudden Cripps is out seemed to be rested or did he have this corky the whole week many was sort of questioning a bit of the mentality going in were we taking west coast a little bit too lightly should we not be resting players I know you had a couple of Predictions previously that maybe this would be the game we lost if we beat Port Adelaide. Um, but I'd love to get your kind of overall feelings heading into this game. And what were your sort of thoughts on the changes that we did make?
1: Yes, I did make, I did make a bold claim that if we beat Port <laughs> Adelaide, we'd lose to West Coast. But that was primarily a reverse jinx on the <laughs> AFL gods. And while we didn't lose to West Coast, they took some things that I love away from me in the form of Sam Walsh and the various injuries that we've had. But no, look, heading in, we obviously talked about this on the show. I was pretty comfortable with the team. I was surprised probably that Cripps was rested or injured or they're still Mm. saying is a test. I suspect if we are playing Collingwood last week, he would have played. So I just Mm. honestly thought he might overrule it. But I think that's probably a a sign that, you know, we're actually resting guys against Mm. weaker opposition, which is something we've definitely wanted our club to do for a couple of years. And we've always seemed to, Push guys through when they didn't need to. So, hopefully, Cripps, Chera, Martin, those sort of guys can come back in next mm-hmm. week. Hopefully, those injuries aren't too blown out. But no, nah, look, I at no point, and it's funny, I felt this way the last sort of five or six games, however long, um, you know, we've been on this winning streak. But I haven't gone into any games, including the Port Adelaide game, with any sort of stress, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But it's also probably because we're still outside of the eight, we're still yeah. working our way. Like, there's still nothing for us to lose. so I've mm. been quite relaxed, and that that's was the case here. And like <laughs> sitting down at the game when Tom Barasses are laid out, it's just what <laughs> mate, crack a beer. Why are we even here?
0: Yeah. Oh, that was the big one for me. I probably I wasn't nervous at all, but there's always that slight thing in the back of your head as a Carlton supporter, being like, oh, surely we can't lose this game. It's West Coast. They're this poor when you, you start to maybe delve into a, a negative place just for the sake of it, thinking, well, maybe they are resting some players here like a cripper. And is that does that send the right message? Are we mature enough to actually deal with that? Because it doesn't feel like that's been something in the past. But, you know, the news of Brass going out kind of really eases everything. And you go, okay, you know, there's, what am I doing? I'm stressing over nothing. And I, I think it kind of leads into the next bit I wanted to talk about. Because in, in the build-up show this week, We have a little segment. What do you want to see? It's apart from a win. If there's anything that you can nail down that you wanted to see this week, what would it be? And that was for me a hot start. I think since we've kind of turned the form around this season, I haven't felt like we've really capitalized on the early dominance by really putting anything on the scoreboard. We've maybe kept some teams goalless, but we've maybe only kicked three or four when I thought we could have really shut the game out at quarter time and, Coming up against a West Coast, a young team, I thought it was just so vital for us to really just command the game from the start and finish this one at quarter time. Never let them in the game. And it was probably the most impressive thing from this big win against West Coast was that we did it. We started hot. We put it on the scoreboard, kicking nine goals to zero in the first quarter, leading by 57 points at the first break. I guess, what have you made of this intensity change over the last month or so? And then how important was it for us to put our stamp on the game from the first bounce and then really just end the game at quarter time?
1: Oh, I think it was important that... I think the the whole game plan is important that we have a hot start and... Mm. I think you look back to the Gold Coast game where we didn't have a hot start and everyone was sort of losing their mind. Oh, we're going to go back to where we were doing. But there were signs there of what they were trying mm. to do and they've been able to execute that since. So it was really, really important that we put the game away pretty early, which, I mean, it was over before quarter time, which is really nice. I think the difference between this year and last year when we were doing it just seems to be a slightly more sustainable game plan this year or the back half of this year as compared to last year and we were starting fast last year but dropping off and sort of only playing one out of four quarters one really good quarter whereas this year where we're having those intense starts we're actually maintaining it into the second quarter and I don't know if that's fitness I reckon it's probably personnel probably having the right players in the right positions and having a bit of depth so for me probably the, one of the most important things was not just how do we start, we, it was who steps up. And we knew mm. George Hewitt was probably going to have a large one. Paddy Dow had his opportunity. And, of course, Charlie, nine goals last time, had to lead the way again this time and just slightly beat his record from earlier in the season.
0: Yeah, it's it's been an interesting sort of turnaround. And it's it's just been something I think we've needed to address for a long time. It feels as if sometimes with Carlton... If they don't rock up in the first quarter, you could almost tell that, okay, we're not on today. If we're not that team that starts laying those tackles early, you just feel like we're not necessarily that team that could really build into it. And and last year, we still had moments where, like you're, you're mentioning, saying that you know whether it was a second quarter or a third quarter, whatever it was, we'd come out out of nowhere, kick six or seven, but then we just couldn't do it in the other quarters and just it's been a massive, massive shift that somehow we've been able to keep this intensity and keep that mindset for longer. And you nail it by the sustainability. And yeah, I mean, Walsh was just electric. If we're going to oh. talk about things we liked in this game before the injury, what, 14 disposals, three tackles, four clearances, goal, six score involvements, three goal assists. You can go through the stat sheet. It's incredible. What did you make of, of, of Walsh's hot start to this game?
1: No, oh, he was unbelievable. He was probably one I failed to mention that had the opportunity to step up. Have him in super coach managed to score well over a hundred with thirty-four percent game time or whatever it was, thirty-five percent game time. I can't remember. Got in the coach's votes as well, and he was yes. immense and for sure. If he doesn't go down, I think we don't we don't switch off the way we did in the second half. But he just reminded us how good he is, and it's unfortunate that he's had that hammy, and we're going to miss him for sort of two to three weeks. Knowing him, though, he'll be available next week, given how quickly he seems to recover from <laughs> stuff. But he was absolutely huge. And, yeah, it was just really, really impressive. And as I said, I don't think we drop off if if he stays mm-hmm. on the park there.
0: Yeah, it almost felt like genuinely that, that start of that game that we're about to win this game by 200 points with I thought the way we while she was, was going with. I was like, we're about to set a record. How beautiful is this? Um, and then apart from that, in the first quarter, you know, Kerno was just everywhere. We'll, we'll t- definitely touch on him a bit more later, but he had four goals in the first quarter. And then I thought Dow and Silvani, particularly early, both had three clearances. Dow had four inside 50s, really being able to move the ball. And as well, just looking at the way we're shaping up in defense, we're able to intercept the ball and and keep that ball in our forward half with those repeat entries. Guys like McGovern, I thought Kemp was instrumental again. Saad, just getting back to his his best. You could really just name every single player on this team. But for us to finally jump teams at the start, put the game to bed, even when you get these injuries and whatever happens for the rest of the game, you kind of give yourself that platform. And it was just great for us to finally put it on the scoreboard for once. Um, And look, it is a bit hard to take a lot from this West Coast game. It's one we expected to win. And even with our outs, it was kind of just a matter of get this job done so we could move on to a bigger game next week. But apart from the negative side, the injuries, which we're going to touch on, what were your kind of key takeaways from this game and what impressed you from our win? This
1: is going to sound strange. I think given Charlie kicked 10 on his own and had 20 touches and was in everything. I think it's the even spread again. Of performance i think that's been mm-hmm. the real difference in the last five weeks i know the opposition hasn't been amazing gold coast hawthorn Frio, port adelaide west coast but again it, we saw it it was even contributions across the board which particularly during our losing streak but mostly for the last sort of two or three years we've had to rely on cripper to have an amazing game charlie to you know kick five Harry to kick five and just kind of hope that the, the rest of the list or the rest of the team that day did enough to squeeze us over the line. Whereas this week, I mean, you said it, you could give everyone votes. Mm. You could talk about everyone on the weekend, but it was just fantastic to see everyone jump in and do their bit. And that includes a Patty. Dow. that includes even a Alex Chincotta who was a little bit quiet. And I think he went off with that head knock and stuff, but everyone there Mm. was able to, to be a part of it. And, Lucky Cowan didn't have a lot to do on the day, just the nine disposals. But again, he sort of did his job and I was really happy with that. Uh, Ed Kerno comes into the side. We've talked about him a lot this year, but he still was able to impact. He was still able to hit the scoreboard. So it's hard to take a lot out of it. What I will take out of it was that the guys who needed to step up did step up. And Ollie Hollands comes back in. He plays pretty mm. well. Even Josh Honey kicks a goal. So, for me, it's it's looking at the guys who are on the outer or, or or just starting their careers for for the Blues, and seeing that they were all able to contribute. And I guess the intensity as well. Even though we did let them sort of, I think they might have won the second half in terms of scoring. At, at, we had no rotations. We had yeah. three guys injured on the bench. You can't really look at that. But the intensity didn't really drop away, despite them getting back into the game a little bit. Even though we knew we won, we were still tackling hard, C- contesting, but also <laughs> I wish we were a little bit more careful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 100%. And the spread's been ridiculous, I think, this season, this back half of the season and, and the way that we're actually playing as a team. There's this massive buy-in and it's just been a massive change from how we've normally done things. So many big games have taken a Charlie to kick 10. And it's weird to say that in a game where, you know, Charlie obviously – finally does it kicks 10 this week but we've been needing a bag from him we've been needing Cripper 30 touches four goals we've needed these individual things and in a game like this where we've got some we've been tested a little bit with some injuries going in you get the injuries during for there to just be that even spread it's just more elements that are growing with this group and I like to kind of talk about this holistically with this kind of change in form what's What's it been that's maybe allowed this? Is is it just that better mix of players? Like you've said, maybe it's a Fogarty and a Cunningham complimenting people. Is it is it mentality? What for you, if you can, I know it's a hard question to, to answer, but if you're kind of able to maybe draw on one or two things that you think have kind of caused this change in form for us and ability to not just rely on a few individuals.
1: Yeah, I think there's a few things there, right? One is the mix and and having guys like Cunningham and Martin come back into the team. Fogarty's come in. He just does his role. It's, it's using uh, guys where their strengths are. And uh, there was an interview today where Doc said, you know, we're, we're playing the way we want to play. I think that's, that's part of it. And from a more tactical or technical point of view, from what I've observed, a lot of our players moved sort of a kick further up the ground. So instead of turning the ball over from the kick in kicking from the line, um, and turning it over on the 50 mark we're now running with the ball out of defense out of a kick in we're getting that extra 20 30 meters on the kick and all the action starts a little bit further up the wing which allows guys like cunningham to come and get involved or allows guys like harry mckay up to come up and get involved and we're also using the spread a lot more and because we're Mm. not while we are going to the wing a lot we're not necessarily staying there we're looking to the corridor guys like Mitch McGovern are looking for those dangerous kicks the inside kicks we're actually using it and because we're holding our widths because we're we've moved all of our sort of where we start the play another 20 or 30 meters up the field it gives us opportunities to lock in and have those repeat entries and that's helped by the guys that have come back back in Cunningham Fogarty etc it also probably helps that we've played five teams who aren't in amazing form, yeah. while Porto was in great form, they obviously rested a few players similar to us. Took that calculated risk. So for me, it's a, yeah, it's a mix. I think there's definitely a structural change in terms, terms of shifting where we are from the ball. And if if I had to name specific players who have come in and helped that, it's Cunningham, it's Martin, and I think people forget, but Nick Newman has been vital mm. to this little run, and we're we're a worse team without him. I'm excited to see what that mix looks like next year with Zach Williams available, but Nick Newman's been really, really important to us, and he's been rewarded with that contract extension last week. So, all that ball it up with a little bit of hope and a little bit of drive
0: to try and make finals, and I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good observation, and like something like that, just being able to move that ball just yeah ten meters, like you're saying, it's insane how much difference that can make, and just the the pressure release from our back six that they, they do so well when they have been under so much pressure, like even throughout our tough period, we we're what, like the fourth hardest team to score against. But we were also, I think, giving up like the third easiest looks on goal, which yep. doesn't bode well. But, you know, we're trying to deal with what we could and being able to now utilize the fact that these this defensive aspect of our game clearly was working well but moving them slightly higher just allows them to intercept. And then that flow and effect, you've seen how good our ball movement has been from deep. I think that, that goes a massive way. And another sort of storyline we had going into this game was what are we doing without Harry? Are we lose him with the injury. What's this forward line mix going to look like? And I think that was something that I was incredibly impressed with this week. We copped more injuries throughout, even though, you know, I thought Jack started well, Motlop started really, really well the way we were able to move the ball inside 50 to create options, even if it was to Charlie or someone else, I think we had another massive spread of goal kickers this week, but then to know that we had to give Charlie space and we were able to was massive. And I know there's that caveat of one, it's West coast. They don't really put a lot of pressure on the ball entering. And then they don't have McGovern. They don't have Barass. It makes things a lot easier for us. But it was good that for once, we still managed to not stuff that up. We gave Charlie the, the room to move. 10 goals, 3, 20 disposals, 8 marks, 15 score involvements. And first play to kick 10 goals since Sticks in 95. Massive, massive achievement. What did you kind of make of that forward mix um, and then touch on Charlie's game? Because it was pretty much the one thing that was keeping all the Carlton supporters interested in that game uh, at Marvel Stadium.
1: Yeah, look, the, the forward mix, It'll and it will change again, uh, it was interesting to see that we went in sort of with j and Charlie as the two tall targets. Again, I think that'll change next week due to injuries. Mm. We had uh, obviously the laid out last week, which saw uh, Motlock come in. He kicks the five last week, gets this going, kicks two good goals this week, looked like he was going to go again and then he goes off hurt. So I think a lot of it's generated... I talked about the spread before and using the corridor. We're also use we're being much quicker with our decision making. Mm. We're using the forward hand pass. We're actually getting space. We're giving guys the opportunity to run and that causes a bit of chaos. And a little Charlie causes chaos on his own. If everyone else is doing their bit, it's just gonna be bit easier for him. And he was vital last week in creating a lot of those goals just by being in the area with mm. JSOS kicks four and and Motlop kicks, I think it was five, four or five. This week, it was that, except he was the one taking the grabs and Mm. putting the goals through. But you can see the way he's so, he might be the most, I don't want to say the most talented player, but he might be the most mercurial player in the game Mm. at the moment. The way he can drag his opposition out and he can take him and we clear out the 50 for him. He can drag his defender out to the 50 line get the mark, and he just goes bang, turns around, and the ball's been kicked through and there's no one on the line. He's, Mm. And you have to go with him, and that's the beauty of it. Now, if West Coast had a better defense, maybe they they do a lot more switching and a lot more sort of handoffs with him and leave someone deep, but that's the beauty of him is that he's going to attract attention, and even if he's not kicking goals, he's going to be generating goal opportunities through the way he brings the ball to the ground Mm. or the way he just drags opponents to him. Speaking for the rest, I think the important thing, for us is that it's not just forwards kicking goals. It's Nick Newman pushing up. He's been sort of in a dockety role of late, pushing up a lot higher from the back line. He's able to kick long goals. Paddy Dow kicked a goal, Ed Kerno, George Hewitt. It's the midfielders getting involved, which we begged and begged and begged for mm. weeks and weeks and weeks and years even we wanted to see that. Um, and I think, so I think, while the forward mix is solid at the moment and it's obviously creating creating opportunities because we've actually got a, guys that want to tackle, mm. B, guys that want to compete, and C, guys that have some talent in that forward line now. It's creating those gaps where the midfielders can push up and get the cheap mark or push through on the burst and, and kick through. So all of that, it's sort of all connected this last mm. five weeks. It's, it's, it's all a result of whatever the, the – the, I'm not a smart enough to know what that big thing is, the, the big decision, the big change that's created mm. all this you're seeing all the flow on effects. Yeah. um, Yeah. Again, Charlie's just, he's Mm. unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Oh, it, it forces. I think this whole thing is like, it forces the opposition to have to make a decision and have to do something. You see Charlie in that forward line and what he's able to do where he's either going to take the mark or he forces you to have to make a mistake. And all of a sudden it's a free kick. And he's so incredible at that takes that one-handed grab out of nothing and you're just being like, how is this guy, how is this even possible? He's just something else. The bangs one in from like 60 meters. He just, every single type of goal he possibly could kick, he did in this one. And I think he's, he's, the way he kicked his 10th goal as well was almost one of my, probably his favorite goal that day where you're just you're like, okay, just get one in. He'll take the, the pack mark. Doesn't matter. i will put one through this. It's just like, oh, almost gets it, goes down, crumbs it. Doesn't matter. Over the top. Um, what was your favourite Charlie goal if you could name one from that Big Ten goal hole this week?
1: It was definitely the the outside fifty one because uh, I was yeah. sort of I sort of sit on that wing and sort of had the perfect view of it going through and I was up and about. When it left his boot, I was just hoping there wasn't a bounce and I didn't look like an idiot. I love that goal, but I also loved the first goal of the game where he didn't even mean to kick a goal and it went through <laughs> and you're like, oh, gee, this is going to be a fantastic yeah. day because he was kicking goals
0: by accident. Yeah, that's oh, that's just the biggest change and something we have really never done in my lifetime, I assume yours as well, where it's just literally now we're getting shit goals to start games. And that just does not happen. You could pretty much tell from that moment this was going to be a a massive, massive win for us. And I've got to ask a question. Maybe this is way too hot of a question to ask. But the way we played, the way Charlie kicked 10, do you think that we've been maybe using Charlie and Harry wrong at all, allowing maybe a bit more space for Charlie deep to dominate and pose questions to the opposition, or is this just simply the West Coast effect?
1: (laughs) I mean, he's kicked 19 against West Coast. I think we've definitely probably not utilised him to his full potential. It is hard to accommodate both him and Mackay Mm. because obviously they both want to be kicking snags. Mackay, we know, is great up the ground, taking marks, taking those high marks, and I think that's where he's suited. Originally, Mm. I was the opposite. I wanted Charlie up and about, but... He just has such a goal sense compared to everyone else pretty much on our list. And pretty much, I mean, as far as I can think of, like since Fev, Charlie just knows where the goals are. So put him near him and he'll kick him. There's an argument where Harry, his goal sense is not as good. So you want him closer so that he can Mm. not miss. If he's within 10 minutes, he's probably not going to snap it. But I think we've probably found something where, yeah, if the more you can isolate Charlie, the the better the results are going to be. And, the umpires are aware of him. The defenders are aware of him. They're going to be hanging off him. I think I'm not going to say we've been using him. I think we haven't been using him to his full potential. I also don't know if this is a sustainable thing where he's going to mm. kick 10 every week, but uh, yeah. whatever we're doing, I like it. The support cast around him is the important bit, I think, mm. because as I said, when he's not kicking goals, he's generating opportunities and it's just, we're going to be a little bit stretched there. And I imagine we're going to see, I imagine we're going to see TDK as the second forward next week, which I don't think is is, is the mm. most conducive thing with winning, but we'll, we'll just have to w- wait and see on that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. I, I think there's obviously a lot of that is the West Coast effect. I agree. I don't think he's going to be – you're going to be seeing him kick 10 every single week as good as that would be. And, yeah, it's that support cast that I think has allowed a lot more happening and it's small sample. We, I assume we still would have been kicking a lot of goals – with Harry there, we probably just haven't been using everything right this season. Rather yeah. than it just being the two key forwards as well, you've seen this change in the way that we're actually moving inside fifty, creating options. Jack Martin being able to stretch the opposition, making more targets for us, and I think that's also allowing you know the midfield to to roll in and and find that space because before it it felt like we were very much Charlie and Harry focused, and the rest weren't really adding. To anything You saw motlop and Durden just get caught too high up the ground and they were just clogging space everywhere. And, and I feel like the way that we're actually moving around cohesively as a unit is kind of allowing this as well. But yeah, I think maybe going forward, if we can try a little bit more to get Harry a little bit more out of the space allows Charlie to to do his thing. And and yeah, I wanted to mention Motlop as well because I thought his attack on the footy early was really exciting. Gets the two goals, seven score involvements. And it's weird. He, He almost started to get that spark back. We saw him last week. Started hot again this week. But Jack as well. Silvani was really good to start. The absence of those two potentially for, well, obviously Jack, it looks like he's out indefinitely for this stage. I sort of haven't given much of a timeline with mm. the knee, that hopefully will get back at some stage. When that is, we won't know. I think Motlop is a test. But, yeah, what is your kind of forward line looking like at the moment with a few of these outs? Where are you sort of seeing it going forward for next week?
1: Yeah, I think against the Pies, we're going to see probably always come in for Motlop, assuming he passes that fitness test. Mm. Jack Martin will come in for Silvani, and they'll probably have to use TDK in a Harry Mackay role. And bring Piddo in, I think. Mm. I don't think they're going to roll with a Tom Deconning, Lewis Young, Ruck combination. So I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not as well. Um, I just wanted to touch on quickly uh, just one other final sort of thought on the Charlie thing. I think one thing that he does really well is the way, well, A, his second efforts, uh, and mm. B, the way he brings the ball to ground. Kemp and Gov are really good at this in defense, where they, they bring the ball down to sort of their own advantage or the advantage of teammates. Mm. Charlie does that a million times better than Harry does. If Harry doesn't take the mark, he it he's not really impacting the play that much. Yes, mm. he's had a lot of contested possessions in the 450 50 over the last few weeks. Whereas Charlie, if you got him close to goal and he brings the ball to ground, it's going to the advantage of Motlop or Silvani or mm. So, I just wanted to quickly I I didn't want to just completely dismiss his second efforts which are yeah, are not on the stat sheet but but are pretty immense. But do you have any Differences with the forward line for next week. Do you think a guy like Josh Honey is going to remain there? What are you What are you thinking?
0: Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a tough question with who's available because I'd love Motlop to stay in. Obviously, the way he's going, but when he does the injury in the in the game, it's hard to know whether he will be right. It looks like always I reckon, would be more likely to play. So that's probably a bit more of an easier swap between those. I didn't really. I mean, Honey, he gets the goal. He didn't really impress me a lot, particularly in a game where you hope he has a bit more of a I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but dines out a little bit more knowing it's West Coast and how many forward entries there were, and that he is kind of playing for his career out of contract. You may be hoping for a little bit more, but I guess if, if a Motlop isn't available, if there's no one else, if a Jack Martin doesn't get up, I think he probably has to stay. For me right now, I'd be, yeah, it, Jack Martin would would come in for your honey type and, and That'd probably be the change, if possible.
1: But yeah, yeah th- it's probably going to have right.
0: to be TDK in for... Um, sorry, TDK moved into the forward line, Pitt comes in and yeah, obviously jack out. I think you have to have some other tall target and I kind of agree with you. I think we've been pretty similar throughout the season of, of maybe not loving him down into that forward line as much, but it's just probably something you have to do. It's going to be an interesting one.
1: I don't want to get too stuck on next week, but we've got Cripps, Chera, Munn, Oh, he's, mm. uh Piddo, all, all guys who seem likely that they'll be in the mix. That's already five changes. So there are mm. going to be some guys that have to come out of this side. Honey's probably one, one of them. Uh, um, mm. And I think it's interesting that we saw, uh, I'm blanking right now, Lockie Fogarty, he, we've been lauding him as a forward mm. and being a vital part of this forward mix and making all those tackles and whatnot. But... You didn't spend a hell of a lot of time in the forward no. line because of those injuries. So the midfielders will actually help dictate the forward mix next week as well, because obviously two mids come back in. We get to put Fogue back into the forward
0: line and looks a little bit more structurally sound, I'll say. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess on that moving to the midfield, midfield was incredibly decimated. It was it felt like that going into the game and it only got worse. We started without Cripps, Chera. Or Kennedy ended up losing Walsh, and then I guess you can also add into that Sylwania was being that second ruck, adding to that support when the ball hit the ground. Uh, what did you make of the team's ability to, I guess, perform without those stars in there, and then with the lack of rotations, deal with the injuries throughout the game? What was your your, your makeup of the uh, the midfield there?
1: Yeah, well, I think they did their job. I think I. <sighs> for a, a long time i was a pro sam Doherty as a as a pure mid and then i went back to no no we clearly need him in defence to help us generate run and now that we're actually doing that with our defenders i'm i'm 100% in on sam Doherty as a mid again loved his game george hewitt stepped up which mm-hmm. which we know what he could do he was probably our second best midfielder last year helped cripple win the brownlow hasn't really been able to get back in the mix because of all the sort of inside mids that we have. And I was trying to do my best 22 for next year, Brownie And I could not get George Hewitt in before last Mm. week. And now I'm going to have to find a way to do it because he was awesome. He just stood up and did his role. And I loved seeing, I loved seeing Paddy Dow. Like I ragged on him for last week. He was terrible last week, but he stayed in the team. And I would say that he, he, he did enough probably for me to stay in the team, pending selection. Kicked a goal, 21 disposals, looked solid, didn't look overawed. And my biggest Mm. fear for him was that against the Waffle West Coast team, he wouldn't even be able to stand up for that. But uh, he did. And then I like, you know me, I'm pretty simple. I like having official wingmen on the wing. I like having Akers. And I like having um, Hollands. And I like having those guys on the wing, keeping their... Width and mm. allowing the mids to perform. So, given the injuries we had, and Fogarty was able to to mix through, and I'm sure if Martin played, he would have been able to mix through. We did; they did the job. But the most impressive thing for me, it's just highlighted that we actually got some depth now, which is yeah. really good. You know, George, who it's been a bit part player this year, and he comes in, he gets one opportunity, goes, yeah, right. I'm going to be one of the best on.
0: No, uh, you nail it. And, and Ollie Hollands is someone I'd love to give a bit of a shout out to because. He's still pretty raw. He's still so slight, but the one thing you know you're getting with him, regardless, is the tackle pressure, which is insane to think about. The amount of times he still manages to lay that tackle and, and cause a stoppage is impressive for him. But you just see those glimpses. There was that one passage where gets out on the outside, beautiful left foot kick, and you're just going like, "This guy is actually ridiculous for for first season." And just those just those little spark moments, you kind of hoping for from these draftees. Probably haven't got that with Cowan just yet. Um, still massive upside for him. But to see what Hollands is able to add to this team, a bit more on that attacking wing side incredible. And, and yeah, I mean, Hewitt was the one for me. Just He's been that player where midway through this season, I know Lockie and I did a, that mid-season review and we we're thinking like, what is this midfield at the moment? It's, it's clearly Cripps, it's Chera, it's Walsh. What else is it? Is, is Kennedy in there? Is Hewitt, do we have to find other players now? And I think Kennedy started to have that uptick in form. We started to go well and it's, well, shit, what do we do with Hewitt? Is he someone we have to maybe trade at the end of the season, get some value in and, and make some other moves to some other positions we maybe need? And, you know, you said it. You said it that right there that he was our second best midfielder last year. And we just haven't seen that this year. And then for him to come in when we needed him, 31 disposals, massive 10 clearances, gets a goal, 10 score involvements and completely back to his best. I thought I thought him and, and him Walsh in that like first quarter, what they were doing together was electric. Every single time Walsh got the ball, it was almost because of, of what Hewitt was doing inside. And then when Walsh goes down, Hewitt can then has to take another step up and almost be a bit of a Walsh on the outside. And I thought what he was able to do with 19 uncontested possessions compared to his 13 contested and a bit of that maybe shift in that sort of second half. I thought just the way he was working around the ground to win the ball for us to still get it out was, was something really, really impressive. And, you know, clearly he's been down this year, but to see him get a bit more confidence back, get the touchback this week. It's it's massive. And, yeah, I don't even know what I'd do in my best 22, trying to do an everyone fit at the moment. When everything's going well, it makes a lot of difficult decisions, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, look, and I think all those questions you raised, are we going to have to trade one? Do we have too many? Do we have not enough? They're, they're all going to still be there at the end of the yeah. year. and the, It seems crazy, but George Hewitt might still be. One of George Hewitt or Matt Kennedy might not be in our best yeah. team, which which... A, seems pretty crazy, but B, probably speaks to the depths we have now. We're paying George Hewitt a fair bit of money to be a depths player, so wouldn't mind him sneaking his way into the best 22. But the other thing for me was Sam Walsh, you know, his stuff around the ball. I know people Mm. love to put him out on a wing because he can run all day and that, but it just showed me like he's just so good in and around the contest Mm. and I know it was West Coast. We gotta all, we gotta preface all that yeah. with this, but he's yeah. been so good. That's where I want him. And so between him and Cher and Cripps and Hewitt and Kennedy, we've got all these guys. It's it's probably one or two too many. And then you throw through all the rotations. I think it's a good problem to have. Mm. And we saw the importance of having the depth on the weekend yeah. when with particularly with Hewitt. Um I'm just looking through the heat maps. Fogarty ran through Doherty as a midfielder. Again, I've loved, and yeah, he'll be able to he's going to have a long career with us, assuming he stays healthy because eventually he'll go back to that sort of general Mm. halfback role. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how he ages, but yeah, he, he was, he gets a little bit lost in this conversation this week between Charlie and Oh, look, George, Hewitt's
0: really good, but mate, Doherty was awesome. Yeah. Oh no, no. Doherty was incredible. He, he went at 90% disposal efficiency as well, which is, I know that disposal, Efficiency cat is is a little bit crap to be honest. Like the way they do calculate it, but yeah, for Doc to do that, I think you just got to take your hat off. And nine clearances, nine score of ones, eight tackles, which is absolutely massive. And my favorite thing—it was almost my favorite thing from the whole game. Definitely my favorite thing from Doherty was the selfless block to just give Ollie Holland's a clear run at the ball. Where like, that just sums up this shift in the way that we're doing everything at the moment. That doesn't happen last year. That doesn't happen the year before. This is something new that we're seeing that is just so impressive. And yeah, Doc was massive. Another one of those players that when we have these injuries has to step up and he's someone that we've kind of had to throw in so many different roles, play him down back when we need a general, play him on the wing when we just need a burst. Now he's in the middle again and it just feels like he steps up regardless of what role you need him to do. And you talk about this massive midfield mix that we kind of have if everyone's healthy and maybe that positive part, now that things are starting to work around that, is the versatility that Doc can play multitude of positions. whilst you can play him on the wing if you need half forward. Chero is someone that, you know, we don't love it, but he can play on that halfback if you're desperate. Can maybe shift forward because I do like his ability to, to hit the scoreboard. There is a bit of versatility with it. Guys can kind of move in a few different p- positions. You know, you can rest, I guess, Cripper forward a little bit. Kennedy's good overhead. There is, I guess, multiple elements to these guys, which just makes it a bit easier. And now you've got the problem of, well, everyone's injured. At least you can just throw some other players into it and we're not as decimated as maybe we were, I guess, back end of last year. It felt like we were really struggling. Whereas, I don't know, I'm a bit more confident with the injuries that we have now. Yeah, I think it's the
1: availability of the of of the guys. Last year we had the injuries to the team, but we also didn't have a Cunningham playing or a Marchbank playing or a Martin playing or a Zach Williams playing or, or I can't remember, he might have played towards the end of the year. But this year, yes, we've had plenty of injuries, but they've been, I'd say, not more evenly spread, because it's similar guys, but we acquired players in the offseason to fill gaps that a he was having to fill last year and that that sort of stuff. So I think we've just been a bit more prepared to deal with it. But it's going to be very interesting if we were fully fit, it'd be almost impossible to pick a team at the moment based on the form of the guys that are in there and the names of the guys that aren't.
0: Yeah, no, definitely agree. And and I said earlier on, I was talking about how I thought that this was genuinely going to be a 200-point win. Not only just we'd score 200 points, but that we'd win by 200 and West Coast (laughs) wouldn't even get a goal at one stage. We obviously drop off quite a bit in that second half. We've got injuries, everything that happened. Do you feel like we put the cue in the rack a little bit or was it more we had one on the bench or even at a stage we had zero on the bench that we could rotate that kind of caused us to have that bit of second half drop off?
1: It's an interesting question. What did they kick in the second? They kicked eight goals, five in the second half and we kicked... What's that? Four goals, three. So is that right? They, oh, no, I do we, not have the stats in four, front of me. I apologize. Six goals, <laughs> three, something like that. They, they kicked, I think, two more goals than us in the second half. Yeah, it was a bit of cue in the rack. I mean, mm. kicked nine goals in the first quarter, kicked six goals in the second quarter, two in the third, four in the fourth. So clearly yeah. it was a drop off. But I think largely, like largely that was probably exhaustion. It yeah. is easy to, to put the cue in the rack when you're ahead by that much. But I just think we were th- at one point i don't think we had any rotations available yeah. because no we didn't <laughs> uh, everyone <laughs> we was at doing
0: a concussion test at one stage i think louis young went off cuz it was just a, yeah, it was the weirdest rule. it was the weirdest game of footy where because of that like first quarter your attention had kind of went away from the game and it went on everything else. And then the injuries, I feel like I was on my phone for most of the game, just checking to see what was going on with the injuries. And every time you refresh, you're like, Jesus, this app has another bloody red (laughs) cross on another Carlton player. And you're like, Oh shit, what's this guy done? And you're just trying to find any information on the Marvel Wi-Fi, trying to get anything happening. And it was just, it was insane. And then and then it basically just became the Charlie story about trying to get him to 10. And look, I was a fan of Paddy Dow's game, to be honest. There was, not to knock him, but this is almost, it feels like something I do with Paddy Dow now where <laughs> I, I give him some praise and then knock him. I think you could still kind of see from that game why he's behind all the rest, but he did have a really good game and stepped up when we needed. And I was impressed with his clearances and just the the more class on the outside than I've seen of Paddy Dow. There was a bit more speed. There was a bit more, I guess, yeah, better usage of the ball for him. But there was one moment where if Charlie hadn't event, event, eventually kicked 10, I would have said, can we just sub him off as well? Like, we'll play one without <laughs> because him not hitting Charlie kerno lace out in the goal square when he was free and getting one on the goal scoring sheet for himself. I was pretty pretty, pretty bit annoyed in the end, but when Charlie gets his ten, I go. That's fine, Paddy Dow. You can stat pad all you want.
1: I don't mind him kicking the stag himself. At least it showed some initiative. Look, yeah, you're right that he's probably he's not he's not at the level the other guys are. That's arguably continuity. That's he's never played mm-hmm. in an in a decent footy side. He's yeah. always played in a really shit side. You could argue well if he was better, he would be in the team. Maybe uh, he's he's not had the opportunities under this coaching regime that we've seen in terms of on in senior senior footy game day. Yeah, he did his job. I was happy with his job. And I got up, like, I knock him, but I got up and about when he kicked that goal. I was very happy and and very happy for him. He's still probably Mm. in the mix to be the first out if we have three midfielders coming in. But he's at least shown that he can perform against, on an AFL Mm. ground, in an AFL team, when given Mm. the opportunity. I suspect we probably see him go back to being the sub for a couple of these last games. Yeah. That's my that's my thought.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think he's probably the first one to jump back out, but he's maybe shown these coaches and everyone else that, like, yeah, he probably deserved a bit more of an opportunity that I think we've been calling for at plenty of stages throughout this season, at least give him a game or, or give him something just to see what it is with this midfield, Um, but no, I I do love as well the fans. It feels like anytime he gets the ball, we all just want him to do well, regardless for as much as we've knocked him through the time. Um, But no, I was very pleased to see him get that full game finally, and then definitely perform. Um, Let's jump into some listener questions. Let's get straight into this. Um, We've got some about the game, then we've got a bunch heading towards the Collingwood game that we'll definitely touch on. First one is from Breezy, who says, would Charlie Kernow make it into an all-time best Carlton team? Which is a massive question.
1: uh, Gee whiz. That's tough. Probably not right now. I think we might look back at the end of his career and and have him in one. I just can't Mm. see him sneaking in ahead of like a a Fev or a Sticks or a... Mm. um, a caliber of player like that. At the moment, if we're going on pure, untapped, raw talent, you could probably make an argument for him. But no, I think there are mm. a more accomplished footy players ahead of him right at this second.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm similar to you where it's like, I just want to put him in there and surely there is close to a spot. But I think longevity is that one thing when you're doing an all-time greatest Carlton team. There's so many players that I haven't seen enough of that have been absolute superstars of the game, won so many premierships, kicked a ridiculous amount of goals that it's hard to argue. Charlie goes in ahead of them right now, but there's still plenty of his career to go. And by the end of it, hopefully he's definitely locked into that team. Uh, we've got one from Superbad, a long time listener of the pod who asked, based on how we're playing, do you believe we can beat the pies if we aren't full strength? Because we've had a few injuries today.
1: Anything can happen. Anything is possible. I, at this stage, wouldn't be tipping us to beat Collingwood, but mm. we certainly can. If everything goes our way, <clears throat> if you re- if we... Um, Collingwood love playing with momentum. If we can try and stop that with our own mm. momentum, maybe. But yeah. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I, I think, I'll say it right now, I think we're playing finals. I think, I think we're finishing sixth on the ladder this year. Don't necessarily think we're going to beat Collingwood. Not, not sorry, mm. sorry, Super bad, but uh, that's how I see
0: it. Yeah, no, I mean I penciled in, I guess, a, a loss in this stretch of games because we're just you're talking about finals that the ladder predictor comes into it, and everyone is completely on that. So many times all week at the moment, and it feels like we can really only lose two games for the rest of the season. Otherwise, you're really looking at other teams having to drop games they probably shouldn't. Anything can obviously happen, but. This was probably the one I've penciled in as a a loss. And that's not me saying I want a loss or anything like that. I still think we can win the game. But if you are to lose one, the best team in the competition right now by a considerable margin for me, beating Port on the weekend away from home. But of course we can. I think we've got the weapons, even with some injuries, we've shown the way that we're trying to play at the moment, I think can get this done. It's just a matter of what we're able to bring in and how we deal with the game when the pressure's brought onto us, which I don't think we've really seen in this stretch so far. Port probably brought it the most out of any team, but they probably weren't at full strength. So I'm really keen to kind of just see how we're matching up right now against the informed team. They're flying. They don't have a lot of injuries right now. We do. And and I just want to know how we match up. And I guess there's that next question, which you've maybe answered, but the great Paul Barbaza asked by how much next week? (laughs) <laughs> uh, one point, one point. Blues win.
1: One thing, oh, look. Obviously, I'm. I'm going to. Ex- ex- mm. This. I'm. This is a hypothetical world. I want to ask you this: in. If Crippa and Chera and Martin and always is all still sore, we look at our mm. team. We go. We're also, we're losing Motlop, Silvani, and Walsh. Is there any chance? You know where I'm going with this? Is there any chance they just they just put? our team in and go have a crack and their focus is on the last mm. four games. What do you think?
0: It's not the worst idea. I know that probably is like the super unpopular answer because it's Collingwood, but if this is one that you've maybe, like this game against West Coast is one we clearly said, we're taking this calculated risk of, we can probably afford to, if if, Kripa, if Cher, if these guys aren't 100%, maybe we can risk not playing them and still get the win and then a hey, Collingwood, we're probably not expecting to win this one. so <sighs> yeah, I guess the, I guess the it flip, really
1: the flip side is if you win this, the momentum's unstoppable yeah. and yeah you' you're winning the flag.
0: Mm. I guess it really depends on how Cripper and those players are with their I guess injuries at the moment if they're, Because everyone's always carrying something. It depends how far along they are. If they're similar to probably how they were this week, maybe you don't play all of them. Maybe only a few get out there. But if they're closer to it and they've had this week off and the whole idea was give them a week because they'll be fine, I reckon you probably just have to play them. You have to put everything into this because I guess we can only afford to say lose two games. Like you're saying with the momentum, and you look at last year, maybe we went into that those last four games saying, well, we only need to win two. We yeah. need to win one out of the four. You go in with that mentality of this game maybe doesn't matter as much. We can afford to lose one, which is the reverse of us resting players against West Coast. It was, we'll rest them because we'll win. You go in thinking we can rest them because oh well, we'll drop one and keep going. Does that go against this mentality shift, and intensity shift that we've seen? So I, don't prob- know. I guess my eventual does. answer it- is no, let's let's, let's treat play every them. single game like we need a win and go for it. I do
1: think we're going to match up very well against yeah. Collingwood. They, uh, What I want to see, sorry, I'm distracted, no, go for it. just taking go away for it. from the questions. What I want to see, I don't, I would like us to win. I don't really care if we lose and we do what we've been doing for the last five mm. weeks. If We do what yeah. we're doing and we play our game and, it's a reasonable you know, couple goals, mm. or or we, you know, put in a really strong. I don't want to just say effort, but if we repeat the actions we've done over the mm. last five weeks, which is would be a positive thing. I don't mind the result if we repeat the actions over the last five weeks. This week, we mm. are putting ourselves in a position to yeah. at least have a shot at them. But and I hate them with all my heart more than anything. <laughs> they're a very good football team.
0: Yeah, no, And that's been probably the biggest frustration around this whole season so far. Something Lachie and I have touched on so much throughout it is just you can lose games of football. You're going to lose games of football. We, going into this season, didn't think we were a top-four team. We thought we were that next rung, hopefully, that five to six. We didn't necessarily think we were going to be the team that was still really battling it out for a spot in the eight. We thought well, maybe we will be a bit more cemented in there, but all we wanted was play the. Uh, I feel like I'm David Teague or whatever right now, but it's like play our style, play that way. And if you bring it every single week, you're going to win more games than not. And if you lose, it's because you're getting beaten by a better side, you're doing everything you can to put yourself in that position. And that's it. That's been what's frustrating this year. We haven't been doing that, we haven't been playing good football. And even when we were winning a few games earlier in the season, it wasn't this repeatable action. Whereas now, you lose against Collingwood, but you do what you've been doing, you'll, you'll win more games for the rest of the season. It, it gives you that platform. And so I 100%, 100% agree with you. Um, I have a bit of a question that I want to ask here, which is talking a bit about this season, talking about the injuries now. Are you at all frustrated with this growing injury list that we've potentially wasted the time that we've had being a lot healthier throughout this year? Or, and this is a big maybe meta question, do you think that the poor form was something that we needed to have for this group to have this turning point and to create this form?
1: (sighs) Uh, Depends if you think the the poor form came from players willingness or the coach's game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my opinion was that we've always been capable of playing this football and probably should have always been playing a more aggressive style than we have. So I lean more in the camp that I'm annoyed. I don't think we needed this to happen for them to galvanize necessarily. Mm. Uh, but clearly that has probably helped. No, I, I, think, we, I think we did the off-season wrong and, and set up incorrectly heading into the season and had the wrong attitude and the players have been able to uh, rise above that and turn it around in, in conjunction with the coaches, but primarily because there's a lot of talent on this list, as we always talk about, and we've allowed them to, to play their way. So does that answer your question?
0: I think it does. It does. And I still don't know where I sit on it all. I feel like start of the year, I was very much like, it's the coaching and, and it's how we're setting up and as to why we're playing poorly. And then I started to think, is it this playing list? Because surely this list, even though you're setting them up potentially slightly incorrectly, surely they're still better than bottom four. And seeing this shift, the way it was built Clearly, the way we're trying to move the ball faster and set up has been a coaching move that has shifted. I still think there has been a bit of mentality around it, having to get to the bottom. But in answering it, I still don't think we needed to have this because you look at the heartbreak of last year. Surely that was the moment to galvanize and turn this around. Did we need to hit rock bottom to do it? No, I don't think so. So I'm agreeing agreeing with you where it feels like it's just such a waste now that we've made our bed in this situation of we need to win so many games for the rest of the season. We have to be perfect. And now you get the injuries. It's like, well, what a waste when we had the healthiest list we'd had in years and we just squandered it. Um, Did you have any other key talking points or key things you wanted to bring up from this game or are you happy to jump into the votes? No, let's jump into the votes. Beautiful. So we love to do a bit of a 3 two, one on this show. If you're watching this one currently on YouTube, ch- chuck them in the comments, please. Let me know who and why did you give those votes. If you're listening wherever you listen to this podcast, head over to our socials, at Navy Blue Corner. Tweet at us or x at us i don't know what elon Musk is up to now i don't know what he's (laughs) changing the names of things at the moment send us a dm anywhere that you interact with us head over and let me know and let me know your thoughts with anything that lec dog and myself have covered in this episode but lec dog who'd you give your votes to
1: i really struggled with this and to be honest (laughs) with you answering it i still don't 100 percent know the answer I mean how do we go three first because I'm going to have to that's the only one I know for sure you can
0: do it either way you want
1: (laughs) well three votes is Charlie Kernow. he kicked 10 goals I don't care Uh, if someone else had 400 disposals Charlie Curnow kicked 10 goals it's the first time I've seen a Carlton player kick 10 goals Mm. so he gets three votes second is going to be my boy George Hewitt He he just stood up he did what he needed to do he helped me in super coach as well him on the bench, loopholed him, 127. Thank you very much, mate. The one vote, mate, I, I've battled and battled with because I actually really liked Paddy Dow. We talked about him earlier. I loved like Jacob weedering I love Kemp Saad. I talked about Docherty. He had an mm-hmm. immense game. But I'm, I'm going bold, and I'm giving one vote to the man who only played a quarter and a half of football,
0: Sam Walsh. Sam Walsh yeah. set that game up for us, and he's my one vote. No, I can't I can't argue against that. Like that's for good reasoning. And I'd love that she got the coach's vote as well. Like that is just peak everything, to be honest. Probably one of the best quarters of football I've genuinely ever seen. He just didn't get in my votes, but I thought about it. I thought about giving the one to Brody Kemp because I thought just his intercept work and the way he was throwing his body around in defense was great for us. But I've gone very similar with you. I've gone Charlie gets the three just to do that as well without Harry when we needed a forward to step up. I know it's West Coast, but it's massive. And yeah, I'm the same as you'd never see that 10 goals. I wasn't able to see the millennium match with Fev where he kicked yeah. one in an unofficial game. Uh, so definitely him for the 10 and just the moments of the crowd. Like it it lifted the spirits because I. even though you're smashing West Coast, I don't know if you felt the same. It just felt so depressing there when you got Walsh off, you got Motlop off, Silvani's off. And it's just like, well, what are we doing? Can we just end this game? SPS tried to get the crowd back into it with his sling tackle on uh, on chinkotta, which is hilarious. That it's the second time this year he's been reported for tackling Chincotta. I don't know what has done to this man. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but clearly there's some vendetta against him. Um, gave the two to Hewitt. I just thought he was instrumental in it. Just what he was able to do and. To stand up when I maybe didn't expect him to, I think, is another thing. And then, yeah, I gave my one to Doherty for just the tireless work and really for favourite part of the game, that block, that does something to me. I love those little things now, the little team things. Um, So he got my votes. But to, to sort of rattle this episode off, I want to go again towards the Collingwood game because there's a quick turnaround this week. We've got the Friday game, which makes... The build-up show, very tricky. I'm going to have to record it late, I think Thursday night when the teams come out, so there's not going to be a lot of time for you guys to listen to it. So I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, We've touched on it, I think, quite a lot in this one, that it's hard to take a lot from this game. Um, And, yeah, watching it live what am I, So I'm trying to read my script here for these questions and they're not going well. I don't know what I've written. It feels like Lockie's back here trying to read the listener questions and, and just trying <laughs> to throw them under the bus. Um, But yeah, look, every game for the rest of this season is kind of make or break. So where does it all sit is my big question for you. How confident are you that this is the new Carlton and this is what we can expect to see for the rest of the year? Um, Where does that sit with you? that's been the big question.
1: Is this the new Carlton? That's a very good question. The the six weeks preceding this five weeks wasn't the real Carlton. And in fact, the first four or five games of the year, even when we were getting wins and draws, never really felt like us. This feels like a more sustained version of all those times Mm. we've played the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium and Harry's kicked six or seven. This feels like the Sydney game from last year. This does, to me feel like us, I don't know if it's 100% sustainable against like the really good sides. We only need to beat the bad sides and the okay sides around us Mm. to have a chance to impact against those big sides. So I think for sure this is the real Carlton. I don't know what it looks like against... Yeah if we, if we get into a mm. final and we're playing a really strong team yeah I don't know where it gets us but I think it can definitely get us there to that stage mm. and once you get there to that stage even if you go straight out it's it's the value the value you get out of playing in a game like that or, and I'm getting way ahead of myself but is is going to be way more yeah. it's going to outweigh the the feeling of the loss against Collingwood last
0: year for the players I'm telling you that mm. no and it's It's just like the monkey off the back that is potentially holding these boys back a little bit as well, because we still never played finals with this group. Crippers never played a final. So many of these guys have never done it. And that's just going to be that talking point again this year, going into next season. If we don't make the top eight is these guys can't make finals. They just keep finding new ways to fail and not do it. So when are they going to do it? And, At least now it feels like the questions are a little less blow the list up, blow the coaches up. It feels a lot more sustainable in that sense of of keeping things a little bit more as they are. We obviously clearly do need to improve in in multitude of areas across that, and and hopefully these changes can be made a little nicer than it just going to shit. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. I think the fact that it's built on this, intensity for me it's this work rate working for each other that's been a big shift I haven't seen in this group ever really and so that's what's holding it for me that they know now what they need to bring from the start of games and going forward and if you kind of just keep going eventually the momentum will fall for you whereas last year it really felt like we don't know if this momentum's going to happen. We don't know if there's going to be that moment where, okay, we've kicked two in a row now, momentum's with us, where it feels like we almost know how to get this to swing our way, which I guess goes back to your way of the way we're actually structuring and playing together. Um, I think yeah, the big question mark is how is that going to be against a Collingwood, against a Melbourne, and when that pressure's ramped up again, because you've got to beat a team like St. Kilda, you've got to beat a GWS, you've got to beat a Gold Coast. When that pressure's there again, which it's maybe been off the last few weeks to an extent, which I think I've said on this podcast a few times, I don't buy into it completely because it was players playing for their careers, coaches playing for their careers. Of If we don't win any games of football, then everyone's sacked. So there mm. was still pressure. It shifts slightly and the mentality is going to get tested. But I, I think the brand and what we're doing right now is hopefully here to stay. Uh, talking about finals is the question. I have to ask while you're on the podcast, do you think we'll make finals and is there any yeah. little thing if you to nail one or two things what is it that's going to give us finals football this year? Well,
1: it's we're going to we're going to finish 6th. I'm telling you that right now. We're going to finish 6th. It's going to help that St. Kilda are going to get bundled out. We're going to beat them as well. I think, do we play them after the Melbourne game? Yeah, after Melbourne. So we beat them. We take their spot in the eight. And then it'll be us and GWS. I think we're going to be fine in that last round either Mm. either way. But a win against them will lock us into sixth. It'll be fantastic. And then who knows once you're in there. To be honest with you if we've kept up this momentum the whole way, I'll be very confident, but I'll just be yeah. happy for the guys to to be there. We are finishing sixth, and there's no real secret to why. It's just more of more of what we've done. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and the opposition around us are all sort of mm. in a similar spot. Richmond, I don't think has a chance of being in there. Richmond's, I don't think they make it. Geelong, GWS, yeah. I think, mm. and everyone kind of plays each other towards the end of the year. And I think we just, it's going to come out in the wash that
0: we're the ones that get through. Mm. It feels like the momentum's there for us. Whereas a lot of the other teams, like St. Kilda's kind of in that position we were last year, where it's like, you just got to hold on and that can be tough. And they've got injuries. And I, I, I mean, I'm always biased and don't like St. Kilda, but I really don't think that they've got what it takes with their list and everything that's going on right now. I think they're the one that fall out I think it's, I think Adelaide will get close, but I I just, they've got a tough run of fixtures. I think, yeah, it's us, Richmond, GWS sort of vying for those last positions. I think the Doggies and Essendon will will cling on. So it's going to be very difficult to do it, but I agree. I think we can do it because of the momentum. You look at a a GWS have sort of got it as well with us. It's probably us too. Whereas a Richmond, you know, they just get over the line against a Hawthorne. They're not maybe playing the greatest amount of footy there. And the rest, yeah, they're just sort of hovering. So I think we can do it. And we've got the weapons potentially compared to some of the other teams, I guess, fighting it out where if you need a moment, I think we've got the capability to get it done, whether we need a, a Charlie mark, a weedering mark, a goal or a clearance from Cripper, like We've got those star players that as much as we're talking about this spread has got us to a point in those tough games, you need the moment. And compared to some of the others, I think we have that in the bag. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm starting to get way too confident and feel like we're only going to drop one more game for the rest of the season. So watch how that goes for the rest of it. But you know, you've got to believe you've got to buy in and that's the fun of footy. Let's get it to happen. So yeah, I guess there's a big significance this week against Collingwood. It always is. And with finals and everything happening, let's do a bit of a quick buildup. Um, Talking about the changes, I know we've touched on it a little bit, but how is it looking for the midfield for you? Who do you think will get up? And do you have any quick-fire definite changes that you would like to see if guys are fit or guys to come out? And I'm throwing you under the bus a little bit. We'll have our selection panel, selection table show on Pommy and Oz on YouTube on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. So if you want to go through the changes, we'll have a bit more of an idea of probably who's fit, who's ready to go. So head over to Pommy and Oz Wednesday night, 7 p.m. You'll see both of us on there going through it along with Pommy and, and most likely Terry as well. So it'll be a bit of fun. But do you have any raw, unhinged changes right now?
1: So I think always for Motlop. I don't think Motlop gets up. I think Chera comes in for Walshy. I think Cripper comes in for probably. Uh, let's say Ed Kerner. I'll keep Paddy Dow alive for now. <laughs> Jack Martin comes in for Jack Silvani. That's already four changes. And then Pido has to come in for someone. So take your pick of Honey, Cowan, or Paddy Dow. Pro- probably mm. probably Honey from that group. So they'd be my changes TDK plays as a more of a forward, mm. which again, I don't think is his strength, but I think it's something we need to do. Um for the balance of the side. So there I think there'll be five changes at yep. least and they're my five and uh, whoever you want to sub can be your sub. I don't really mind at this stage.
0: <laughs> I'll throw a big question at you here. If, let's say, Martin, Owies, Motlop, and I guess you can throw Honey into that, are all good to go, what's your selection? Who plays out of Martin, Owies, Motlop, and Honey? Do you fit them all in? Mm, I don't fit Honey in.
1: Um, all kudos to you, mate. You're better football than me, but
0: <laughs> yeah, you're
1: coming out against Collingwood. Jack Martin has to play that, he just yep. simply has to play. And I think always, like, if he's if he's calf's okay, I, I feel like he has to play as well. So I would be, yeah, Martin for Silvani and then play both of always and Motlop and uh, Josh Honey, mm. you can have a rest. And you, we need, I don't know who would be the sub, but you. When you're playing Jack Martin, you're gonna need a dynamic sub. So yep. <laughs> potentially, hey, they could be Josh Honey. Who knows? But mm. it needs to be. We need a solid sub when uh, yeah. Jack Martin comes back in.
0: Could be, could be Fish. I know he was the he was not the sub, but he was like a carryover. I saw him do be, some laps it afterwards. Won't be but
1: Zach I can tell you that. Yeah, right now. <laughs> it's not. I, I don't Zach like. Fisher. I don't
0: like the fact that he didn't play any football at all. That definitely worries me. I was very close to just being like, does he just? walk off with West Coast and we just get the deal done now don't be too rude to him but definitely had that thought running through my head um but no I think I'm very similar on the changes with you I think we saw Varney out I don't love it but I think you have to probably bring in Pitt so you've got De Koning as a, another tall forward because I just don't think we have anyone else to really chop out there and I don't like Lewis Young in the team at all but I've liked De Koning as the as the number one ruck. Uh, I think what he's been able to do again this week was really impressive. I know their ruck stocks aren't amazing, but and neither are Collingwood. So would have loved to have he, seen DeConing in a bit more of that number one role. No, he's been really good, but you got to think about
1: how do we how do we fill the forward line and yeah when you and and you do need a backup ruck. So it's I don't mm. want it to be Lewis Young. I want it to be TDK because Jackson Mm -hmm. one is not available. So And Mm -hmm. there's no one else. So he kind of has to
0: play as that forward forward right against Collingwood. There's almost no other way to do it. And there's that other element of you've got um, obviously Darcy Moore down there who we just kicked the ball to him for fun last time we played them. And they've got a better defense and you can't just be having pretty much just Charlie down there. So I think you definitely need the height. And then, yeah, it'd be Cripps in for probably Ed which is a change I'll make every single day of the week. You know that for mm-hmm. me. Uh, Chera in for Walsh, Martin in for Honey, and then, yeah, I don't think Motlop comes in and makes it. So, yeah, always in. I think that is basically the changes. I may have missed someone, but that's the raw changes. Let me know your changes as well. I'll be trying to do a bit of a build-up show later this week, but drop them in the comments now. Head over to Navy, at Navy Blue Corner, and let me know. Um, Yeah, if you could nail down one or two things that sum up a win against Collingwood, what would it be? And how confident are you? I know you haven't been super confident, but can you give me a number out of 10 maybe? Oh, mate, uh, right now on Monday, I'm about a three, but I can promise you by the
1: time bounce <laughs> the bounce happens, I'll be a 10 out of 10. So just let me ramp up with you throughout the week, mate. We're on a couple of shows together. We'll just we'll, we'll build the excitement over the next few days. What wins the carton win? I mean, what gets a carton win? Uh, I'm going to say Jack Martin kicks three in a quarter. Uh, and and Crips comes in and does mm. Crips things. But I, again, I think it's going to be an even spread, but I just mm. I like the, the dyne, dyna, 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 dynamic, I like how dynamic. We'll let it play. <laughs> the, the inclusions of Chera, Crips, and, yeah. and Martin could be. So I think they're going to be real big,
0: mm. real big impactors. Yeah. It also feels intimidating, I guess, as a mind game as well to like read the team sheet and you've got, oh, shit. Cripps, Chera, Martin, like that. That's big. That uh, yeah. that definitely plays. The, the a only downside role.
1: there, Ian, is that none of the Collingwood fans can read, so <laughs> it's meaningless.
0: It <laughs> is true. That is one hundred percent true. Um, if I can nail something down, I'll borrow my. What did I want to see from the West Coast game? And it's hot start. I think if we're able to, at least jump them a little bit at the start, that will play a massive massive role they're such a momentum based team so if we can have that because i feel like the last two times we played collingwood we've been slow to it and that's sort of caught us it's caused the loss in a way where obviously round 23 we had to have that massive third quarter this year we never really had that quarter so i think that that start is really really vital and if we're able to have a bit of a lead at quarter time. I think that's just going to go a massive, massive way. Um, but yeah, I think I'm similar to you. I'm probably a four out of 10 right now, but it always builds to a 10 by the bounce. You always get up and about. Um, but look, Lechdog, thanks so much for joining me this week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can the people find you and what are you up to for the rest of the week?
1: My pleasure, mate. i uh, got to record a Supercoach podcast now. I'll be on team selection with oh, team selection whatever it's called the team selection panel with you and Pommy <laughs> and terry on um Pommy knows make sure you subscribe i'll be on thursday i'll be in the team stream with Pommy over on blue abroad and if you want to hear more uh, madness from me just go on twitter or x.com and go <laughs> at lekdog
0: l-e-k-d-o-g Beautiful. And yes, links to Dog and all of that will be in the show notes in the description. We'll make sure to make it nice and easy for you. But that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks again so much, Dog. Been an absolute pleasure to talk about a win. And we'll be back here building up the show, again, building up the game against Collingwood, and then back with a massive win over the Pies. Because why not? Let's keep this momentum rolling. Up the baggers. See you guys Go next blues. time.